Welcome to Aquafarm. I'm your host, John Bazaar, recording from my my office here in Mount Hope, Tennessee. Uh, and as always, Aquafarm is brought to you by the Bill Gatton College of Pharmacy here at East Tennessee State University. Um, thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. Thanks for downloading and listening, and thanks for your uh, your ratings, reviews. I appreciate it. Um, today, we're going to get back to our landmarks in Oncology Pharmacy Series, and I'm kind of roughly going based off the, the ASCO Cancer Progress Timeline, and we're, we're to the point now where we see our first um, inclusion of, a, of, a, of an oncology pharmacy or a pharmacy supportive care measure. Certainly, the advent of platelet transfusion is really important in the early treatment of, of acute leukemias, um, but this is on Danzatron. And I want to take you back to 1990, uh, specifically March 22nd, 1990. Two publications in the New England Journal of Medicine looking at ondansetron. Um, now, there was a study by uh, David Cuttingham uh, in the UK at Royal Marsden of 15 patients with, a, with ondansetron. Um, small, small study back in 1987, but this is the one that made the cancer progress timeline. There are actually two studies in... Uh, the March 22nd, 1990 issue of the New England Journal of Medicine. So, 1990. Uh, I was seven years old at this time, and uh, the number one song at this time was Black Velvet by Alana Miles. I'm resisting the urge to, to, uh, to sing it right now. And then the number one movies in America uh, on the weekends before and after March 22nd were The Hunt for Red October and then Pretty Woman. Um... By the way, there's a great rendition of Roy Orbison's Pretty Woman with like Bruce Springsteen uh, playing along that like used to be on VH1, um, probably around 1990. Um, uh, we're off the rails here. All right, back on track. So this first article is the efficacy of ondansetron, also known as GR38032F, and the role of serotonin in cisplatin-induced nausea and vomiting. Uh, and one of the authors here was uh, Andrew Finn, who was a PharmD working for Glaxo, who was the company uh, who brought Ondansetron to the market. So uh, around this time, uh, in, in you know leading up to this, there was the big problem of chemotherapy-induced nausea and vomiting, obviously. And uh, in 1986 and 1988, in those couple of years, uh, some animal models had shown that there was a role of serotonin, specifically uh, the S3 or receptor for serotonin. Uh, hence this study. So this was a, uh, a randomized, double-blind, placebo-controlled parallel study. And there's some, uh, some letter to the editors afterwards saying that this was unethical to have a placebo-controlled study uh, for an anti-medic. And in retrospect, it's hard to argue against that. Uh, so this was uh, also looking at, um, besides just the efficacy of ondansetron in patients receiving cisplatin-induced chemotherapy, or cisplatin-based chemotherapy, but also looking at the role of serotonin, specifically looking at the urinary metabolite of serotonin, 5-hydroxyindole-acetic uh, acid, or 5-HIAA. And to do this, um, patients got their chemo, and then urine samples were measured uh, for 5-HIAA uh, and creatinine at two-hour intervals um, for up to uh, basically 10 to 12 hours. Um, for 10 hours, and then they just collected one big 14-hour sample later. So really, we have about 10 hours good of data here uh, as far as the urinary excretion of the serotonin metabolite. So everyone in this study received cisplatin, a dose of 50 milligrams per meter squared or higher, plus or minus some other chemo. Um, and they were randomized to either ondansetron or placebo. So here's the ondansetron do dose. 
0.15 mg per kg. So for a 100 kilogram person, that's 150 milligrams of ondansetron. Today we use eight. All right, so even let's you know let's give someone a normal size of, of uh, body weight. It's still really big doses of ondansetron, right? Uh, now high dose of ondansetron, while unnecessary, uh, do need to be given over a, a kind of a slow IV uh, infusion. In this case, it was given over 15 minutes. Giving a high dose of ondansetron too quickly, IV push leads to QT prolongation. Um, and in the placebo group, you know, they didn't get anything. Uh, there was a uh, anti-medic rescue treatment administered for patients experiencing three episodes of emesis in an hour, or really intense nausea and vomiting requiring immediate treatment. And this, these drugs were given in sequence. All right, so over 15 minutes, they got 50 milligrams of diphenhydramine, 20 milligrams of dexamethasone, five milligrams of diazepam, and then two migs per kg of metoclopramide. What a cocktail, all right? So this is why this is on the ASCO Progress timeline for cancer treatment. Really revolutionized uh, cancer treatment. When I teach chemotherapy-induced nausea and vomiting every year in class, I say the patients in the real world do not look like the patients you see in TV and in the movies. They don't, they don't vomit their heads off the way that you know, pop culture references would have you think. Certainly there are patients who have really bad experiences. Uh, but by and large, most patients do really well, and this was the first big advance in, in doing that, was on Danzatron. Uh, so, they evaluated response by counting the total number of episodes of either emesis or retching in a 24-hour period. So this is only looking at acute CINV. And uh, there were only 28 patients in the study, 14 in each arm. Um, there were five and six patients, respectively, who received cyclophosphamide and doxorubicin, along with resuspatin. Hello, chemotherapy-induced nausea and vomiting. Uh, as far as the results go, and these are all statistically significant, if you look at the percentage of patients who had two or fewer episodes of, of emesis in a 24-hour period, 78.6% compared to 0%. Okay. Seven, so 80% versus 0%. Two or fewer episodes of emesis. If you look at no episodes of emesis, you're talking 14% versus 0%. And again, small numbers, 14 in each arm. But huge, huge uh, delta, huge treatment effect here. And if you look at patients who had three or f three or more episodes of emesis in the 24-hour period, 21.4% with ondansetron versus 100% with placebo. So obviously, this is really incredibly effective. Uh, you also see... Um, from a mechanism standpoint, that the um, the rise in serotonin metabolites um, uh, peaks uh, three to four hours after uh, the infusion of, of cisplatin-based chemo, and that is when the emesis peaks. Um, so there's there's actually a great figure here where you see the curves of number of episodes of emesis, and then also concentration of 5-HIAA. And the curves overlap, really peaking like six hours after the administration. And what this uh, told us at the time was that cisplatin um, mediated uh, nausea vomiting was, was really caused by uh, serotonin and release of serotonin. Now we know from enterochromathin cells. Okay, so from that we know ondansetron works really well. Serotonin has a big role. Uh, so now let's look at a comparator. So this is the next article uh, in the same journal. So comparison of, of ondansetron with high-dose metoclopramide. Um, I love the opening sentence here. All patients vomit during the 24 hours after administration of high-dose platinum unless given antiemetics. 
and none of the currently available antiemetic regimens are entirely effective. So in that sentence, in the New England Medicine, we see the word all and none, and it's entirely accurate. In fact, they even have a reference to support that. So at this time, the standard of care for chemotherapy-induced nausea was high doses of metoclopramide that could be complicated by extrapyramidal symptoms as it's a dopamine antagonist. And at high doses, metoclopramide blocks 5-HT3 receptors. Uh, so that's why it was used. So this is a double-blind randomized crossover study. So what that means is half the patients are going to get ondansetron with cycle 1 and then high-dose metoclopramide cycle 2, whereas the other half get metoclopramide in high doses in cycle 1 and then crossover to ondansetron in cycle 2. Uh, this is both good and bad from a study design. It's good because patients all respond differently and may have different thresholds for using uh, rescue um, antiemetics. It's bad because if, you had a, if one of these treatments is vastly inferior uh, and they have really bad chemotherapy-induced nausea bombing with cycle 1, they're going to have it more likely with cycle 2 and it maybe confound the effectiveness of that crossover. So they plan to have 120 patients, but only 97 were accrued because the study was terminated early uh, after only really 50 patients were valuable because uh, it was obvious that ondansetron was superior. Uh, and they go through uh, the methods here in, in some good detail. Um, I'll skip over their, their statistical analysis and sample size calculation, get to the doses. Ondansetron was given IV, 8 milligram loading dose, and then a continuous infusion of 1 milligram for hour for 24 hours. So 32 milligrams of ondansetron on day one with an 8 milligram loading dose, and then continuous infusion, not something we do anymore. And then metoclopramide, 3 mg per kg uh, loading dose. Um, and then, so, and again, the loading doses were given prior to chemo. So a three mix per kg of metoclopramide, and then a half milligram per kilogram over eight hours, and then placebo for the rest of it. So the ondansetron group got drug the whole 24-hour period. The metoclopramide group only got it for eight hours. So potential source of bias in the last 16 hours of that 24-hour period. So uh, in that 24-hour period, the time and number of episodes of emesis were recorded by an observer, uh, and that also included uh, dry heaves, and any, any retching that uh, was in a five-minute period uh, counted as one episode. Um, and then they also had a, a nausea uh, and vomiting diary that they took for days two to seven, but that wasn't really part of the study. They do report the results. I'm not going to get into that a whole lot uh, since it wasn't really well controlled for. Uh, so to evaluate patients, they had to have completed both cycles of, of chemo and the different antimedic therapy. So if you got, you know, a bad rap in cycle one and you got like the metoclopramide group, spoiler alert, it didn't work that well, um, you might not want to go into cycle two. So that can confound the results a little bit here. Uh, and uh, a patient's response with respect to emesis was graded as either a success or failure. So success was complete or nearly complete control. Um, so if you, they just looked at the first 50 patients, um, complete control was achieved in 80% versus 44% favoring ondansetron. Of course, statistically significant. So almost again, a, you know, almost doubling uh, complete uh, uh, benefit. Um, their, their final analysis that they report is looking at 76 patients. They stopped the study early accruing patients, but the ones early on study, they were able to, to have some more results so you're looking at 41 patients, uh, I believe, in the ondansetron group. I'm having trouble reading my own writing. And 36 patients in the metoclopramide group. And if we look at complete uh, or nearly complete control of emesis, and that's defined as 
Complete controls, no episodes of Emesis, near complete control is one or two episodes. So we're looking at complete and near complete. So really two or fewer episodes of Emesis. 75% control with Ondansetron versus 42% with metoclopramide. If you look at complete control, it's 46% versus 16%. So again, Ondansetron blows away this high-dose metoclopramide. Uh, despite Now, you might be thinking, well, the metoclopramide group, they only got the drug for eight hours, but um, what we see is that the treatments peak, uh, the episodes of emesis peak with metoclopramide uh, four hours later. Again, that corresponds to four to six hours later, that corresponds to when the 5-HIA, that serotonin urinary metabolite, peaks in the urine. And you actually, from hours 10 on, you have the same number of episodes of emesis with the metoclopramide and ondansetron. So what this has shown is that ondansetron is better and that it is really better within that acute phase. Uh, and acute is the first 24 hours, but really this is in the first 10 hours is really where you see the benefit. Uh, beyond that, uh, things were the same. Uh, they do report the, uh, the delayed chemotherapy-induced nausea and vomiting. Again, that wasn't controlled for, uh, but there was no difference there. A couple of reasons for this, um, uh, you know, they didn't, they weren't given any drugs to prevent or treat delayed chemotherapy-induced nausea vomit up front, uh, and we know that now. We also know that the best, to, the better, the best way to prevent delayed is to prevent it, and one way you can do that is to prevent acute uh, CINV. Uh, 15% of patients, 17% of patients had a headache in the ondansetron group, which we know is the most common side effect uh, of ondansetron. Um, so they end by, you know, saying, well, we don't know why there wasn't a benefit in the delayed group, although they didn't really control for that. Uh, so moving forward from this study, we're going to learn a couple things. We're going to learn that, uh, that ondansetron is synergistic with dexamethasone. And in fact, we sort of knew that before the study in January of 1990. David Cunningham, again from Royal Marsden, had published uh, an animal study using a ferret model showing that uh, ondansetron was synergistic with dexamethasone. Um, so now, moving forward, we'll test that hypothesis that giving ondansetron and dex is better than either one uh, synergistic, so we would know that. And we would come then to learn also that dexamethasone was a great drug for preventing delayed chemotherapy-induced nausea and vomiting on days two and three and thereafter. And that ondansetron is not that great at preventing or treating delayed chemotherapy-induced nausea and vomiting. Why doesn't ondansetron work for delayed? Because serotonin peaks six to eight hours after chemo and then goes back down to normal. So if there's not a big serotonin effect on days two and three, then a serotonin antagonist or a 5-HT3 antagonist like ondansetron is not going to be particularly effective for that delayed chemotherapy-induced nausea bombing. So that's ondansetron. That's the original data that we see, and that's what got ondansetron on everyone's uh, mind and got it into patients and made the, the use of chemotherapy a lot more humane, and that is to the benefit of all. That's it for today's episode of Onco Farm. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, again, go find us on iTunes, uh, rate us, uh, review us, let us know what you would like to hear more of. Follow me on Twitter at FarmDeetNib. Follow the podcast at Onco Farm Pod. And as always, I hope to see you all a little further down the road.